Welcome to The Lorraine Murphy Show. I'm a mentor, four times author, leader of my Bold Darling Mastermind for female entrepreneurs, retreat host, and I've gotten to host this podcast for five years. As with all of my work, this show is to serve female entrepreneurs who want to optimize their energy and their mindsets in order to build the businesses and lives of their dreams. I've walked this entrepreneurial path for 11 years now, and I can tell you that there is a way to have a business you love and still have the space and time for all the other parts of your life that make you, you. Whether your number one priority right now is to scale your business, upgrade your finances, rediscover yourself, find more energy, get more organized, reconnect with yourself, or build a life and or business that's more aligned for you, or all of the above, I am here as your guide on the show to help you make it a reality. Listen in on my dulcet Irish tones as I share tales from the front line of my business and mentoring, behind the scenes insights on how I'm approaching life and business, and speak with brilliant expert guests. Search The Lorraine Murphy Show wherever you get your podcasts. A new episode drops every Friday. Subscribe to make sure you always catch the freshest episodes. Let's dive in to this week's show. Hi, Jacqueline. Welcome to the show. Hello. So excited to be here. Oh, I am too, because I know this business has been brewing for many, many years now. So I'm so excited that that's, it's pretty fresh off the press as this episode is going live. It's, it's all out there finally in the world. And, and also yeah. you're one of my, my close friends. So it's been really nice just to have a little mini, how many, I think we squeezed in about a 15 minute catch up before we, we actually started recording. <laughs> We did. We We've did. got to do our it's... work though. That's so tell me, my dear. So I know today we are, we're very much going to be talking about, I like to call it the blend rather than the juggle because mm-hmm. even the word juggle just stresses me out. So the, the blend of, you know, having a business and running a business and also having small people or maybe not so small people anymore, but, but having kids or family, family in our lives as well. And this isn't your kind of traditional background. Can you just share a little bit about your? Because I think it's such an inspiring story of really following following your heart and following your calling. Can you share a little oh. bit about the journey you've been on over the last few years? I will. And it's so nice to be chatting with you in a totally different manner than we we normally get to chat <laughs> business with. So, yeah, this pivot has been, it's been six years in the making. And I think for, for me, when I look back, it's you kind of connect those dots. You look back in those breadcrumbs and those moments with a little heart pull that you kind of follow and you don't really know where they're going have finally come to fruition, which for me is just this align that I think we were talking before. It just it feels so authentic for me and it feels really like I've landed in a place where I can finally support women in a way that just is is such a beautiful experience for me. So for context, I come from a digital marketing background. So for the past goodness, 20 plus years working in the corporate digital marketing space and then launching my own business, helping to coach women from all things from marketing strategy to mainly product development and online launches, which is obviously what you and I typically will brainstorm and hash about. And can I also just add as well, you were a speaker in my Bold Darling group last year and they still rave about that session you did. Like you were just oh, I absolutely love the that. guru when it comes to online marketing. So I think that's why I'm so excited as well for this kind of next evolution of your career because you're so good at what you do in that space and then you get to be that good in another space it's yeah it's super cool to see it happening oh well it's been like i said even with working with women in a business capacity i find it 
it's so amusing to look back now and go, the conversations we'd have, it could be about their business or about a product or a business that they wanted to birth into the world. But no matter what, the conversations would tend to circle back to family, to children, to partners, because again, you can't have one without the other. Your business and your business life and family life always blend. Spoke about before. So looking back now, in hindsight, I can see this pivot began six years ago when my son was born. Just as I moved from sort of that rite of passage from maiden to mother, there was something about it that just felt like I was where I needed to be. Didn't know what that looked like. Continued on with corporate career, continued on launching the business and growing the business and working with private clients. And through the years as my second son was born, it just began to feel stronger and stronger. And I began to, I mean, and you would know, it's so much of the information we have out there prepares you for birth and pregnancy. Very little prepares you to launch you out into the world of the wild roller coaster that is parenthood. And I think for me, I thought, why did no one tell me about this? Like, where is everybody? Where is the village that everyone told me was going to be there? I think that concept just kept feeling really important to me. And so because about three years ago, I decided to take action on that feeling and I decided to train in matrescence to work with moms in looking at motherhood and their identity. And then I began to delve even further into the parenting world to really work on the woman as a whole. So her role as a woman and her role as a parent and how that impacted pretty much every facet of her life. And yeah, so now I'm parenting and pivoting as a motherhood mentor and parent coach. And it's so exciting. And what is that? So if anyone isn't familiar with a parenting coach, because I'm familiar with a parenting coach, Wade and I have tapped into an incredible parenting coach for Lexi. I love that we haven't felt called the need to do that for Wilder yet. We've got two very, very different shows. <laughs> I think by this stage, when Lexi was Wilder's age, like two and a half, we'd already been on to the parenting coach like three times, I think. And Wilder were like, maybe we're just more chill. Who knows? So I know what a parenting coach is, but maybe for those listening, they might not be familiar. So if you could explain that, that would be amazing. And also, is a mother mentor the same? Is it different? Just fill us in. Catch us up on your space. Definitely. Because I, well, I take a little bit of a different approach. I think, so in essence, parent coach is someone that's going to navigate, help support and navigate and guide you through that roller coaster of parenting in different areas that you need. It's whether it be seasonal challenges, whether it be specific issues that a child might be going through. The way that I approach it is a little bit differently. So I take a mother-centric approach. So most parenting coaches or a lot of parenting coaching out there now might deal with a specific child or a specific issue that you might come to it, you know, school refusal or trouble with bedtime, trouble with tantrums, anger, aggression, things like that. The approach that I take is that we work with the woman herself. So my clients mainly come to me and they may be feeling a bit lost, a bit disconnected, a bit unsure of themselves, a bit, I guess, looking at their life as a whole, just wondering, am I showing up today as the best mother that I can be? So they want that support. They feel undervalued. They don't feel seen. They don't feel heard. And I think a lot of us today, many women that I work with, they don't have the village. They don't have the sisterhood or that beautiful network of support that I think we assume that we're going to have in today's age. And so they don't have that level of having all of their needs met. So for me, when I sort of say mother mentor or parent coach, I look at it as someone that can kind of hold that sweet, beautiful space holding ability and that magic of letting someone actually see you for the first time. So the walls come off, the masks come off, and you have a chance to actually have someone hold you in that space that you get to rediscover yourself. Wow. That sounds like a very involved and lengthy process, is it? It can be. I mean, we try to go as deep as we possibly can, and it is a bit of an unraveling and a bit of unlearning. Mm. So it's looking at 
her past and her past behaviors and her patterns that she brings to the relationship. And then we explore sort of how her parents, because the children always come into it. Your kids are always going to be first and foremost, how we sort of relate to them. And the idea and the end goal with the women that I work with is pretty much deepening their relationships and strengthening their connections they have first and foremost with you know themselves and their bodies, but then with their kids. So it has that lasting ripple effect of you show up in a stronger capacity, you show up in a way that's going to help prioritize your own wellness in the ripple effect within the family and with your children and their children is incredible, but it can be. So I typically will work with someone on a on a 12-week basis and if not ongoing, but we cover a lot of ground. Hmm. And a lot of it is that beautiful sort of just awakening stage. We're just beginning to uncover so many different facets of herself so that she can begin to make sense of herself. I love that. Shall, and I, right. I mean, you and I have done a huge amount of both professional and personal development work, some of it together. And, you know, you and I, I think would both say that someone, whether it's a mentor or a coach or a facilitator or something that we're doing, you know, some kind of training we're part of, Sometimes it's just that one nugget that they share, you know, 10 minutes in an eight hour day together that you go, oh my God, that's the game changer. I did an incredible retreat to Ibiza. It was like a six day retreat at the end of July. And there was one exercise that we did at that retreat that alone was worth the investment for the entire week. Like it was incredible. So I think that that there's one element there is that there's one little reframe that you as someone who's not in that day to day with that mother can probably have that almost like that helicopter perspective that she can't have because she's so in it and no one in her life can have because they're so in it as well. You know, everyone's kind of woven together so tightly that you can't actually get the perspective. But I think the other thing as well, like an observation of what you shared there is that this is the really deep healing work. Like it's not tactical, get your kid to sleep or get your kid to go to school. It's, this is generational that, and I know we're going to talk about this again and actually maybe we'll just go there. It's generational, isn't it? It's healing all the patterns of previous generations and going forward. Yeah, you hit that really, really strongly. It's We talk about the tactics and the strategies, but I think before we do that, we really want to be able to take a look at, to make sense about why you show up in certain situations mm-hmm. the way that you do. To put that on a practical lens, a lot of it, for example, could be around anger, or we look at understanding your nervous system, or we look at understanding the brain development of your children. So when they are pouring cereal on the floor and you just show up and it just explodes because you're rushing out the door and you're going, why would they do that? And you immediately move into yelling in shame, even though we don't want to. Very common scenario. We talk through situations like that. So rather than how to stop the child from pouring the cereal on the floor, we might explore. Can you not help that? Yeah, exactly. Mike, I wish I could have quick that because that's Wilder just got my makeup here in Spain in like a big shallow plastic, like rectangular thing. And I've got like a smaller one in it, which is all my brushes and another smaller one in it, which is all like my makeup and lipsticks and whatever. And he just picked it up and like, bless him, he dropped it on the bathroom floor the other morning, but we were trying to get out. We were trying to go get weight from the airport. And then like, and some, you know, sometimes like just the bottom of your makeup kit, like there's like smears like that was all over the bathroom floor. And I'm just like, yeah, when you said that experience of the cereal, I haven't had the cereal, but I just, yeah, I'm just like seeing my makeup all over the bathroom floor and going, Oh, we're meant to be like leaving now and now I've got to clean this up and I didn't make this mess. Yes. And a lot of times what we do is we, we react in a way that, and everyone's style is different. And that's what we sort of go and we explore. What is your style? What is your parenting style? Do you immediately move into that authoritative where it's yelling, shaming, punishment, I can't believe you did this, or do you just go, I can't do this today? And you walk away and you just sort of leave them by themselves. And depending on how you were raised, and how you were conditioned in those moments of stress, 
our conditioned responses just come out subconsciously. Like our body's in fight or flight at that stage. We're dysregulated. Our body's going, danger, danger. You're in unsafe situations and you just react. It's like we go back to being that child ourselves in that moment. Very much so. Absolutely. And so through that process of sort of looking at, okay, what patterns did I grow up with and what patterns are in my family? Do we respond to certain situations of stress or, you know, mess, things like that in certain ways versus our partners who could have a completely different experience with times of stress or anger? So we could begin to unpack that so that we can look at that going, okay, what typically happens, we unleash the cereal spilled, we unload, we get through the door, and then we sit in that sort of guilt-shame cycle and we feel horrible because we did scream at a child who didn't really know better, even though in that moment we're like, you should know better. So we go through the fact of developmentally, they don't know. They don't have that capacity to realize that if they pour a big box into a small bowl, it's going to go everywhere. So a lot of the times, you know, we stress on the fact of it's not necessarily, you know, they won't listen. He couldn't listen. They didn't understand that. So it's making sense of that. It's making sense of your body's reacting in a certain way because your nervous system is completely sending signals to you. So how do we then calm you in that moment? How do we then make you see and pause in that second to go, okay, I am sensing, I'm feeling really unsafe in my own body. I also know that this is a typical reaction that I have to mess or to overstimulation or to areas of control. And that's based because of something that, you know, my mother always used to show me, for example. So we begin to make sense through these like stepping stones to then help next time you respond in a different way. Because the child obviously is going to still pull the cereal next time. They don't know. But the way that you can respond can be different to then de-escalate the situation, which mm-hmm. then gives you the capacity to just show up in a way that could be calmer, that may even make your morning that much more easeful. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. And I think when you're talking about the pattern and there's so much, I think, and you and I haven't gotten to talk about it in detail because you know, we're overdue a massive catch up, like about to say things. But I think there's so many parallels between what you're talking about and what I learned as part of the Hoffman process last year, because it's so much about the patterns that we just adopt from our parents, you know, the great patterns and maybe the not so great patterns. And that's where I think the the incredible value is in the work that you do because it's about unwinding those patterns and just starting to extricate, you know, what's a generational pattern and what's me and my essence and starting to create some space between that, I think is so powerful. And then it's healing generationally, but then it's healing in the moment as well, because we ourselves as mothers are not giving ourselves that awful experience and you know, the guilt, the shame, the, I can't believe I did that, you know, that self-berating of ourselves. But then it's also healing for the household because, you know, like it or not, as mothers, for those of us who are mothers, we are the heartbeats of the home. Like we are the temperature for the home. And I find this so annoying that if I'm in a bad mood, everyone else in the house is in a bad mood. But wait, like I was telling you, like he came back from a trip and dickhead didn't check himself into the airport hotel to actually get some sleep overnight. So I did like a nine hour stopover in the airport and like could not sleep a wink. I'm like, there he does that. So came back toast like toast after his lovely week away like absolutely exhausted and he was like an antichrist there was a couple of times this is a very irish channel like you're actually being like an antichrist right now like so snappy the kids were fine fine yeah because he's not the heartbeat of the home i am and i find that you know it's so beautiful when we are you know having a great time and our businesses are going well and we're rested and you know we haven't just had an argument with someone we care about you know but when that you know it's fine but when we are having a tough time it's 
That's a lot. So is that something you touch on as part of your work as well? I think it's your own wellness, your inner wellness, I think is a huge indicator as to what is happening in the family and probably in your business as well. And I think you touched on something that I really want to circle back with around when we reflect and when we sort of look at our own patterns, what's interesting, depending on the age of your children, is when they begin to reflect them back to you. And so anger can be a big one is if you grew up in a household where there's lots of shouting, for example, and that's the way that you communicate, that's the way that you know when you need to get your message across or something needs to, you know, you need to be stern. That's sort of your conditioned pattern. Your children, you model that that is the way to handle conflict or whatever it may be. And so when your child suddenly does that to you, it's a huge moment to think, why are they angry? Why are they yelling back to me? And I, you know, work with so many clients who just go, it's very confronting to realize that if we bring these patterns into our relationships, no matter whether it be friendship, you know, partnerships or with our children, then we all do it intentionally. I mean, we, we bring the best of intentions and we always look back at our childhood without judgment. But if we don't sort of show up and go, okay, how can I model the best behavior so we can set up the strongest relationship with our kids? We then pass that along to our children. And I think especially women, one of the things I've noticed is things like the disconnection that we have. Typically, so many of us are wearing all the hats, managing the mental load, running a business, doing all of the things, and that we move for the day like in just this rushing of going, moving to the next thing, that we become so disconnected from our bodies. And one of my clients, she had the best phrase for it. She's like, we just create this crust where we almost don't know what our own needs are and we don't know what we're feeling because we don't stop to ask ourselves and no one's stopping to ask us, what do you feel right now? What do you need right now? We're doing that for everybody else. And so I think when we look at sort of changing patterns, being able to model for our kids that, you know, what are you feeling right now? Tapping into that connection with your body and tapping into telling what you need, expressing your own needs, that you are valued and that you have these needs that deserve to be met. And I think it was incredible how it was such such a beautiful revelation when I worked with women in that capacity to say, you deserve this, you don't have this now, but let's get you back in balance. Let's get you back connected with your body so that you actually know what's happening. So the better that you're more aligned, you can be that temperature. Yes. Yeah. There's so many parallels between what you just shared and the retreats that I host. Uh, just seeing women come in, you know, with that cross, that's such a good way of describing it. I love that your clients said that. You're just that cross of that, yeah, complete disconnection around. I do something called go inwards time on my retreats where the afternoon is just to, just that, just go inwards, have a massage, go for a swim, go for a walk, read, nap, whatever. And I cannot tell you, Jacqueline, the amount of times on day one of the, so we like, we genuinely arrived like the day before and then the first full day of the retreat, we finish lunch and then people, women are just sitting there after lunch and I'm like okay you know what are you going to go do and they're like every time two or three women are just like I don't know what to do I cannot Mm -hmm. remember the last time where I didn't have to look after anyone else or be somewhere or have a deadline and it sounds crazy but it can be quite an uncomfortable place to be to actually have some space to yeah remove the crust as you said what a great exercise to do if you ever want to practice it is just to kind of sit in a moment of silence and think how am I feeling and you know you might be able to name like oh I don't know I think I feel a bit happy sad for grasp these sort of like primal emotions. But then if you start to dig a little bit deeper and go, where am I feeling it? And actually name three feeling words. The the amount of times that women can't do it and go, I don't feel anything. I have forgotten how to feel. Like a numbness, yeah. Like we think it, but you can't think through it. You got to feel it. And a lot of times to move that emotion. So if you're feeling resentful or anger, 
you can't think your way out of it. You need to feel your way out of it. But to start, like it's just such a begin, like it's such a beautiful starting process to even just walk around the house. And if the kids have caused a mess and you're starting to feel really irritated because the last thing you feel like doing is picking up all the toys is to start to walk through it with them and go, oh, so wow, mom is feeling, wow, there are toys everywhere. Okay. Like you can do a little sport broadcasting. Wow. Okay. It looks like we're having a lot of trouble picking up our toys today. I am starting to feel, wow, what am I feeling today? I'm feeling this in my chest. Mom is starting to feel, oh, I'm, I'm feeling overwhelmed. And by doing that, it feels so silly, but one, you're tapping into like, is it irritation? Is it annoyance? Or is it just, I don't feel, no one's listening to me. So it taps into that unmet need of like, I don't feel like anyone in this house is listening to me ever. And we sort of get to dig a bit deeper. Around what is it about the mess? Is it the mess or what it represents to you? And by sort of tapping into that, but the byproduct of that that I love is that you start to create this model in the family of telling kids, it's okay to share all your feelings. So then your three-year-old walking around going, I'm feeling confused today, or I'm feeling overwhelmed today, mom. Like you teach them that vocabulary young so that they have that grasp of all emotions are safe. Yeah. And that it's going to feel like a full spectrum of emotions that, you know, it's okay to feel a variety of different emotions. We don't always have to be, you know, happy, joyful, calm, zen. That's not our end goal. Yeah. Parenting like messing. Okay. That was gold, Jack, what you just said there and the what does the mess represent to me? Because it's not actually about the mess. It's about the hidden message in that. And you could add so many different things, you know, I don't know, whatever a kid might do that might be triggering slash anyone in their lives. But it's, you know, the mess, if the place is messy, that represents to me that I'm not considered because, you know, I'm taken for granted. You know, there's so many layers to that, isn't there? So I think that's so powerful, that reframe you've given us just there. And it's not asking about, you know, okay, why is this mess pissing me off so much? It's what does this mess represent to me or what is the fact that my child is you know, talking back or being rude to me what does that represent to me because you know in Hoffman they would say that's just something that your mommy or dad did they call it um, transference in the Hoffman model and um, interesting so we've talked kind of more broadly about parenting so far can we just dive specifically into parenting as also a business owner because I think that brings with it its own you know, it's its own cocktail of challenges and it's obviously a road that you and I have walked. I mean, how long have you been in business? We're in the same time, aren't we? I've run since 2013. So yeah, the business is transitioning now, 10 years. Yeah, and I was the year before you. So yeah, we, I mean, we've both been doing this for, you know, 10 years, give or take. So can we touch on, you know, what are they from your own experience? Because I mean, I think the beautiful part of you stepping into this type of work that you're doing is that you, as you said, you experienced your own challenges around like, where's the village? I was meant to have a village and they're not here. What have your biggest challenges been specifically with being a parent and having a business? It's a great question. And I think the first thing that comes to mind is, and this is probably for the beginning stages of, for me, it was a change of identity. So for example, I was looking at now that I was a mother and running a business, who was I? And I felt a complete sort of dismantling of what did I want to do? What was value? You know, you sort of relook at your entire value system and the boundaries that you hold. I think for me now, looking at that through a lens of what felt at the time to be a challenge, I now reframe. And I think that if you're running your own business and you happen to be a parent, that parenting or that parenthood is your superpower. What parenting can do is one, again, bring your values to the top of the pile. So suddenly those full days that you had the ability to Structure your day the way you want to. Yeah. Or, Bye. I mean, that's gone. Yeah, that's gone. 
And now you may have a really structured, regimented time where you have to get a lot of things done. So I find that some of the brilliance, and I'd love to, like, you can weigh in on this as well. It's like, it's, it, you become so laser focused on your priorities, what matters to you in your business, because your family also is competing for that time and you want to be able to prioritize them as well. And so you have that beautiful flexibility when you're running your own business to then morph that around your family time. But I always say, I think motherhood can be a superpower rather than a hindrance. Cause I think a lot of times people would come to me when I was doing a lot of the business marketing thinking, oh, I'm thinking of launching a business, but I'm also want to have a baby. So I don't know what I should do. And it was just a real challenge for them. Mm. It can be a beautiful experience. You can come in so sharp, so focused because you have that end goal and you know where your priorities stand. So what would you say? So your biggest challenge you reckon has been identity? I think to me, that was inwards. That's what I question the most is just who am I now? Can I hold both? It was that labeling of business owner and mother. What did that mean for me? Hmm. What did that mean? What did that shift and change for me? Because things felt differently and I didn't know externally if other people were feeling the same. So it was a big question a little bit for me. I think a lot of that too was for me learning about the concept of matrescence. That's where it kind of the pen dropped for me and realized that this is an, a normal experience and that as a woman and then a business owner, it's okay to have those sort of wobbles because it's all part of the process. Yeah. But in the end, you you might stronger, I think, once you kind of recognize the fact that this is a process that you go through. Just thinking about, can you just touch on what matrescence is? Because I know we've touched on it a couple of times. I just want to make sure that everyone knows we're talking about before I ask you next question. Definitely. So for those that don't know, so matrescence is this transition that a woman goes through when she becomes a mother. And the transition can touch upon everything, physical, hormonal, financial, spiritual, societal, like it touches every part of your life. It was coined back in the 70s from a woman named Donna Raphael. So she was also the woman that coined the term doula. Nah, no way. Way ahead of her time, sat dormant and then became more mainstream probably in the past 20 years when an anthropologist out of Columbia basically related it to adolescence. So everyone knows adolescence, kids go through puberty. And if anyone talks about teenagers, you know, oh my goodness, the hormones are off the charts. They're going to have crazy mood swings. They're going to just be going through this transition from child to adult. The exact same thing happens for mothers, but it's so less spoken about. I'm really glad that obviously that's getting more time now for people to understand that concept, becoming a little bit more popular. But for me to go, ah, oh, this questioning, this spiritual awakening, this looking at every facet of my life, of my business, it's normal to question all of this and to unpack it and to peel it away to the very basic of what I wanted it to be and strip apart only to the most critical and essential that, that lit me up inside and that served me and my family. So yeah, that sort of learning about that concept first and foremost was just a breath of fresh air. Oh. And I think, you know, as we're talking about, and this is where I wanted to ask you this question, but I wanted to make sure we were clear on what matrescence was for everyone listening first. I feel like when you are a business owner specifically, so you go through the experience of matrescence as a mom, like it kind of within your home and your parenting, but then you are not your parent to be your identity as an individual. But then I think mm. businesses need to almost have their own version of matrescence because there's very few businesses where someone can show up exactly like they did before they had a kid when they've had a kid. Like, so there's almost like there's a matrescence that every woman who has really? a child goes on that journey. But then there's also the matrescence that the business needs to go on to accommodate to change circumstances. And I just want to touch on, you know, when you said your biggest challenge was the sense of identity. I think for me, and this is more of an ongoing one, it's mm. that sense of just when I'm really in the zone with my work and I'm just want to just keep going and going and going. 
because, you know, where you're at right now, where there's a whole new business that's blossoming or, you know, there's a new revenue stream or whatever it might be. I find that hard to like really challenging to have to break that flow because so much of my working day is about trying to get that flow. <laughs> and then yes, when you got to break it because it's pickup or because... You know, so it's actually so funny. Thank God I had you muted as you were talking there about matrescence because Wilder was trying to break into the office to come come say hi. Um, as, as I'm recording this, you know, I struggle with that, just not being able to be so in my work zone. And I find it easier to switch off when I'm with the kids. Like, cause generally, like I am quite organized at work and when it's done, it's done. But yeah, I find that hard. Like just that not being like, able to just go like I used to go. And I think it's that, I think there's parts of ourselves that we miss. When we look back at our previous, you know, prior to being a mother, you look back and you can grieve some of those sides of you that are no longer there. And it's very similar with the business. You can grieve those days of just mm. endless writing, creative flow that just could go on. I mean, I remember nights when it's like three in the morning and you just, the ideas adjust and you only have finite time to do that now. And yeah. it is just like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's that reframe of if you've only got that time, like you said, trying to maximize it and. And know that obviously, yeah, it's different, but I always just don't want to make sure that it's different, but it also can be really, it can be better in ways. Mm. And, you know, that's a really good point because, you know, even as I'm talking through this with you, the great thing is like the kids do create that handbrake for me because I could just go and go and and I'm a generator. So, you know, in terms of human design, I could just go, 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 but then I crash. So the kids are also like the, the upside of what I'm just talking about there and the even better is that they do force me to stop and yeah, just not go so hard. So I think, yeah, there's dualities in that as well. Do you think it's possible to feel like you're doing both the parenting thing and the business thing really well? Because I have so many business owner female women saying to me, I just don't think I'm doing anything right right now. And obviously they're saying that when they're, you know, in a pretty disempowered state. And that's obviously a lot of the work that we do together, particularly one-on-one. Well, I think, what do you think? look, yes, the longer answer is I think normalizing that it can be challenging and it's okay to be challenging. Mm. Going to go through seasons when things just feel like you were moving through mud in at home and in business. And I think having those conversations with other business owners, with other parents that normalize and humanize that because that conversation is so, I mean, you and I hear it behind the scenes of, of client calls, but I think outwardly we're so fixated on, you know, making it balanced and making it perfect all the time that when we mm. don't look up to those expectations, we then fall into that shame cycle. I'm not going to talk about that. I'm struggling because I don't want anyone to perceive that things are going wrong. Mm. Or I'm not coping, you know, particularly for those of us who are, I think I'm A-type, I probably am A-type, you know, that A-type makes shit happen, ambitious, go, go, go. Like that is to show weakness or to not, that, that we're not coping, whether that's in business or personally, that's an absolute no-no. That doesn't feel safe for that kind of no. personality. So I really love what you're doing because you're creating that space where women can come undone. Claire and I, another friend of ours, mutual friend of ours, we're talking about on a bit of a debrief. I did an episode as a debrief on the Bali retreat that I hosted. We're just saying, you know, for these women who are just so used to, you know, having it all together and just being on and not letting balls, like their whole mission in life is to not let balls drop, basically. That's really, that's a lot, you know? And so I think the space that you're holding for women to enable them to, to come undone and do that deeper work is, is incredibly powerful. And I think too, it's allowing women to have those acceptable conversations around, I need support or where, where do I need support? Is it at mm. home? Is it, in, if I feel like I'm not doing anything right, being able to vocalize that and have others go, I see you and I hear you and let's unpack that. Let's look at where we can support you. 
where are you not feeling like you're doing the best job? Is it at home? Let's look at that. Is the business? Okay. Whereas if we just self-silence and we don't say anything, we continue in this perpetual, you know, and things don't feel good and things don't feel good on any aspect. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you're the same in how many friends have we had, you know, depressive issues or, you know, anxiety or I don't want to say breakdowns necessarily, but real, I come to Jesus moments where they're like, okay, what am I doing? You know, a crisis of some sort. And that, I think that idea of self-silencing, which I've never actually heard that term before, that's so, it's such a part of that because we just push it down and push it down and push it down. And as you said, things don't feel right. We don't feel like ourselves. And then at some point, the pressure cooker needs to boil over. And then that's when the problems really start to manifest more broadly. Yeah, the self-silencing concept is... We teach a lot of that when we look at the matrescence because, again, it's a people-pleasing tendency as well. We don't want to talk about things going wrong. We want to make sure that everyone's happy. You know, we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to create anything that's going to cause, you know, attention. We want to make sure that everything's fine. So we just keep quiet. Yeah, and it's incredibly disempowering. But yeah, you can see it's you can see how that happens in business as well as you know, just in motherhood as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so we talked a little bit about the impact of our own childhoods. Do you feel like, is, is there anything else you want to revisit on that particular area? Because I think, I mean, that's, you know, the kind of the micro level, the most immediate level of what you do is the helping moms thrive as moms and also business owners if that's what they, they, they choose to do. But the, the macro level is that generational healing. Is there anything else you want to add to that and how we can do that? I think that's the first part. We, we explore a lot. I love to teach a little bit about sort of attachment theory and that sort of based or attachment science based on essentially making sure the number one goal I always say with parents is we want to make sure our children feel safe. Mm. Not necessarily safe in a, you know, do you have a roof over your heads and you're safe? It's that inherent and in inner safety. A lot of times the attachment science based on, you know, a lot of times the work of that I help sort of co-teach is based on the work of Daniel Siegel. And we look at how your emotional connection was formed on the basis of how you were cared for by your primary caregiver. And we talk a lot about that as looking at your attachment style and how you show up in different relationships. And it can get really complex that I won't go into now. But the first two is kind of just doing a little bit of work and exploring around your attachment style, I think would be a great place to start. And then kind of looking at how you are creating safety for your children. So at the end of the day, we want to make sure that they feel safe in all situations. When they fall down and scrape their knee, when they lie about their homework, when they push their sibling down the stairs, when they bite someone at daycare, when they are bullied at school, all of those situations will have different nuanced, I guess, details around them. At the end of the day, you want to make sure that your child feels safe with you to talk about anything, to experience anything. And that, to me, is sort of the end goal we look at is to get to that point, you need to look at where you came from and you need to look at making sense around why you show up with certain, you know, do you label and judge? Do you immediately call your child lazy if they don't clean up their room when you've asked them the first time? Like exploring what is that? Why are you doing Why does that first response make sense to you? And looking back, and then how can we shift that so that you are creating an environment that feels safe and welcoming for your kids in all aspects. So it is extremely nuanced and it's very, we get deep fast. But what I try to do with women, because again, every mother is busy. Everyone has a lot on their plate. It's like starting to just crack open a window and start to become a little bit more aware of, okay, this is, I'm learning more about my body. I'm learning more about how do I make my child feel, you know, the four S's safe, seen, secure, and soothed when it comes to attachment science. And we look at how do you show up each day when you pick your kids up from school or when you have a conversation in the car? 
making sure that they actually feel seen and making sure that you are, first of all, taking care of yourself, you, that you're doing that to yourself as well. And I think having that empathy and that self-compassion first is a big thing that we sort of focus on before you take care of the rest of the family. Can we actually do that to ourselves? That is such a good point. I wrote those four S's down, as you said, them you're safe, seen, secure, and soothed. And yeah, is that how, how can you do that for someone else if you can't do that for yourself? So I think it's the classic, I mean, it's done to death, but that whole idea of putting your oxygen mask on first before the, your, your child's like, you need to, we need to figure out how do we do that ourselves and show up for ourselves consistently to help ourselves feel like that. And I think there's so much in what you're sharing around us reparenting ourselves. You know, maybe for those of us who didn't feel like we were parenting the way that we would like to have been parented, this is our opportunity to reparent ourselves, which exactly. can be quite daunting. But I think when you break it down into those four, and I remember a therapist years ago talking to me about self, self-soothing practices. You know, what are the things, Lorraine, that you do to regulate yourself when you are? You know, I love that you talk about dysregulated so much. And it's, I think it's such a great word to capture that, you know, rather than saying, you know, I'm having a meltdown or I'm the various different, probably way more stronger language that we could use when we're in a really, really crappy spot like that. You know, that whole like, be dysregulated and how do we soothe ourselves? A bit more gentle, yes. But I think the thing is, is like, I like messy parenting. And I think the fact, like, we're never going to get, I don't like to use the word calm all the time or zen because that's not realistic. And I think everything we talk about and everything we've spoken about before is to embrace our humanness. You will not show up every single day as the parent in the way that you hoped for. You did well. You're trying to meet so many needs. You've got so many different, you're human. So when you do show up and you flip your lid, you absolutely lose it, like shit hits the fan. Obviously that we've got repair and as a way to do, you know, when you do something wrong is repairing over and over again. But I always, like it's self-compassion and kindness that you continue to show up in your most imperfect self in the best way that you can do. And to get rid of all of these ideas, you need to walk around in this calm zen state and never have a household where you're going to yell or say the wrong thing because that's not, the end goal to me. It's similar with business. You know, you're never going to have a business that's going to be running perfectly without hiccups or challenges. It's being able to show up the next day and continue on with that vision. So it's showing up in the face of adversity, knowing that you're human and that's okay. Mm. Yeah. I love that. And on that, what tips do you have for when we are in a dysregulated state, to put it mildly? What are the tips that you have for it to help us kind of get ourselves back to center and as you say, you help ourselves feel safe, seen, secure, and soothed. What are your go-tos? Well, I'm not. So we could have a whole podcast season yes. on the nervous system. Anything, especially through the lens of parenthood. Like, oh, it's fascinating. But the best thing you can do for yourself and then do it again for your kids is to look at what we call like sensory calming tools. So when you are in that heat of the moment, I always say dysregulation can't meet dysregulation. Yes, yes. What are screaming? They're fighting. They're throwing things. They've broken everything and you're in a rage, that is never like the recipe to calm things down. It's just going to escalate. It's just going to be a disaster. And I know that because I've done it like all the time. (laughs) Like it's just, you look back and you're like, why did I think that coming in and screaming and yelling was going to help everyone calm down? Absolutely not. But we do that because it's an automated response. Your body, again, like I said earlier, it's fight or flight. So I now over time, and this is lifelong learning, this is not a quick fix. So lifelong learning, the more you can learn about your nervous system and your parasympathetic and sympathetic and moving up and down that regulation ladder from, okay, I'm regulated. I'm feeling like I'm pretty grounded. I'm in control. I've got that tolerance to, oh, here we go. I'm moving up and I'm just like, I'm getting into like the red zone, completely dysregulated. I'm offline. I can't see straight, think straight. 
there's different sensory tools. So it can be, you know, sight, sound, touch. For me personally, like ice, I love to roll my hands under cold water, put an ice pack on my neck, breath work. You and I have spoken about this. I'm a massive fan of breath work. So breath work for me, slow inhale, and then an exhale that's twice as long. So two to one breath. So we go in through the nose and then out through the mouth twice as long. And sometimes I have to literally go into the bathroom, close the door and just do this for like 30 seconds just before I can even like face anybody. The idea is not to bring your body back to like complete state of just to expand that window of tolerance so that you can show up just slightly more regulated to deal with the situation that the kids are going to throw at you. And it's that whole thing, isn't it, of not reacting, but instead trying to respond. That's exactly what we're doing. We're trying to create that space. And I think to flip it, it's so nuanced for every child. But when you start to look at your kids, I know now when one of them is angry and going, having a complete meltdown or a tantrum, it's never, behavior is communication. So it's never about necessarily him throwing the toys at his brother. Something's happening underneath the surface. But when he's throwing the toys and hitting and kicking, I know that moment He's not doing it to be manipulative. He's not doing it to be, you know, hurtful. There's nothing that I need to be worried about. He is completely dysregulated. So I know now with each of them what their sensory calming tools are. One of them loves like a weighted blanket to be wrapped in. One of them loves to like have to be held. One of them loves a pillow fight, like to get the giggles out. Some of them, it is like, give me something crunchy to sip on or to eat. So I know now it doesn't always work 100% because nothing is going to be foolproof, but it's trying to identify what is going to calm you down in the moment. And then playing detective over and over and over again to try to figure out in the moment what is going to help de-escalate it for each of your kids. And if like the sooner you can try to like pinpoint different tools that are going to work in different moments, the idea is that you get to that a little bit earlier. So rather than waiting, the thing is just completely blown out is that you start to go, oh, I'm seeing red flags happening here. I need to try to like make sure that I'm calm to be able to help. If I'm regulated, I'm going to be there calm to be the calm for the kids. I love that. So it's about self-regulating with everything you talked about, the, the safe, seen, secure, and soothed. And then that gives us the space to actually not be in a, a relationship therapist. Robert calls it wild brain. You know, when you're just so pissed <laughs> off and <laughs> angry and like, it's just wild. Like nothing's going to make sense. Right. <laughs> yes. So much of the work that we do with Robert is about getting us out of wild brain whenever, you know, now obviously without, without him. So it's getting yeah. ourselves out of wild brain and that's self-parenting, self-soothing which means that we can actually think a bit more intentionally rather than just running our pattern, which is what we, we tend to do when you know the kids do something and we, as you say, we get dysregulated. I understand that physiological response that happens when you have wild brain. You're not thinking it. You are just you're literally off your wild brain. Yeah. yeah. It's like you're running yeah. on full animal instinct. Yes. Which sometimes is like kill. <laughs> and your calming tools will be totally different than Wade's. So it's like, okay. Someone else might need space. Someone else might need to jump and dance around. Someone else might just, you know. Wait, it's like go to jiu-jitsu and try to rip the head off another man, probably. Yeah, movement, getting it out there, like physical, like mine is tapping. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. And what's one thing, this has been obviously a, a really enlightening uh, conversation. And I think I'm going to ask you one question, but I, what I would like to do that before I ask you that question, though, is, you know, for those listening who might be feeling like, oh my God, I scream at my kids or that kind of dysregulation, I feel like I'm there most of the time or, you know, really falling into that self-persecution, like, you know, really feeling that guilt, that shame. What would you like to say to someone who's listening to this going, oh, I'm just feeling like a shit human right now? I think you are human and that there is nothing to be fixed and nothing's wrong with you. I think it's just a matter of normalizing those conversations. I talk a lot about guilt and anger specifically related to motherhood and those 
feelings to me, I always think they're emotions and they're information. So let's do like, if you're feeling that and you are stuck in that cycle, what is that trying to tell you? For me, most of the time, it's that you've got a lot of unmet needs and you probably don't have the support around you that you need. But it's so common and it's so normal. And I think if we can have more women started to talk about that and the fact that they do feel like this and they don't know how to get out of it and providing them and empowering them with those tools. But yes, you are not alone and that there absolutely is nothing wrong with you. Yeah, you are 100% not alone. You know, I think you and I have shared our fair share in this conversation about our, our own lowest moments. And I, you know, I joke, Wade has got certain photos of himself that he really doesn't like him. And we joke that they're like in the past when he was like, wasn't as lean or wasn't as fit or whatever. And we call it the anti-vision board photos saying, you know, that the photos that are like the very opposite of what your vision board is. Yes. So I just think it's important to remember that so much of what we see is the vision board. You know, it's the Instagram highlights reels and, you know, walking through Woolies when our kids look like, like I've looked at our kids sometimes gone, you literally look like you haven't been like showered in weeks. Like Lexi's hair is matted, like Wilder's just got like two different meals smeared down his t-shirt and it's the only t-shirt he will wear. Like, And I think we tend to, when we're in those moments, we look at other people's children and go, oh my God, they're just immaculate and they're perfectly pressed and shiny and all things. So I think so much of our mothering journey now is it's the vision board. It's the highlights reel. It's the, you know, the Instagram. It's only seeing our friends at, you know, 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning for brunch when everyone's kind of shiny, not, you know, coming over to each other's messy houses. So I think there's so much of what we have shared here. That's, you know, the anti-vision board. And that's the reality. You know, life isn't a highlights reel and our children are not highlights reel. And we are not highlights reels and our childhoods, our own childhoods have not been highlights reels. So I really hope that listening to this conversation has helped to normalize and to validate all of us because all of us have our moments in parenting. I love it. Normalizing the imperfection. That's really what I stand for. And the more we talk about that imperfection, it just helps alleviate and get rid of that, the guilt, the shame, and the self-silencing that none of us want to talk about because we feel like we're the only ones. And it can be, it's a really sort of lonely experience. Yeah. People are afraid. I find that's really tough. I don't know if you've ever had this experience, my love, where you share like a vulnerable moment from yourself or a challenge that you're having. And the person you share it with says, oh, I've never had that problem where, no. Yes. And it's not that you want everyone to have the very same problems as you, but I found that really jarring in the past. And it makes me so much less inclined to share that, share a challenge with someone else again, because I felt like it wasn't held. So I think that's the beauty of doing the work that you do. I feel like you're the me for mothers and I'm the, (laughs) I do it for business owners. But it's so important to have those people that you can go to like you, where it's a trusted space and you know that it's going to be held well, because not everyone knows how to do that for other people. To be seen fully, like I said, it's acceptable anger, acceptable guilt, acceptable shame. But we're afraid to share some of those those really raw moments that everybody has just because they're not normalized. And so normalizing, like again, keep going back to that full spectrum of emotion is welcome. It needs to be seen, needs to be spoken about and shared more amongst women. Mm, yeah. And that's what it was years ago where people did live in a village and but now, yes, so few of us do live in that situation. What's one thing you would like listeners to do as a result of listening to this conversation? Okay. So I'm going to say one thing that seems a bit obvious, but in our culture of go, 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 this is what I found to be so profound within my own family. So when I first started doing all this work, the one thing that was changed was active listening with my kids five, 10 minutes a day. And I think what I mean by that, just to give it clarity, is around think about the way that you communicate with your children or you listen if you've got kids. This could be your, your partner as well. So many of us think we're listening when we're not because we're ticking over the to-do list. We've got dinner started. We've got emails to lay and we've got texts to respond to. 
And a lot of times we're listening to someone and we're nodding our heads, but we're thinking, okay, I need to put away the laundry or we're trying to rush them through what they're saying or we try to finish their sentences because we know what they're going to say, especially for little kids. So if you give yourself homework, go home the next few days and simply just try to have presence and actively listening to every single thing they're saying. Five minutes. You don't need to do it like all day long, but I'm saying just be aware of how you respond and what's happening. I thought you were going to say I had to do that all day long. No, no, no. I was like, that's a very <laughs> long time of active listening. So five minutes and just see what's coming up for you. And more importantly, the reaction that they have of being fully seen by you down on their level, eye to eye, really, truly listening to them rather than rushing around the house trying to, you know, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. That sounds fun. Practice that can be a game changer because it's a building block exercise of just going, wow, I didn't realize how I move through my day into such a frenzied state that very rarely do I actually sit fully 100% focused on what they're telling me and give them my undivided attention. It can be such a beautiful bonding and connective exercise. I love that. Thank you. Read a great tip. Also, can I just add a layer to it as well? I see active listening to our kids, but active listening to ourselves. You know, when you were talking Mm. about those tools around, how am I feeling right now? Okay, I'm feeling angry because, you know, I think think there's two layers to that as well as it's active listening with our children. But again, like we've talked about everything, how can we do something for someone else if we can't do it for ourselves? It's active listening for ourselves as well. And, And if people want to work with you, what are their options? Yes. So I've got a few different options. We do, I do one-to-one support. So if you want to kind of have a little bit more of that deeper experience, share a bit more of about your personal challenges, situations at home, I can do one-to-one support. We also do a 12-week transformational parenting course that I run. So I do that in a one-off capacity as well as a group capacity. So I run those year-round and we go through pretty much everything we covered in this session as well as yeah, it, it goes deep and it goes fast, but it, it can be incredibly transformative if you feel like you want to make some fast change. I think those two. And you can always find me as well on Instagram posting tips and strategies and my own imperfect, messy moments of success and failure. <laughs> I love how you show up so honestly, honestly in Insta. It's, yeah, it's really special. Thank you. And I'll obviously pop all your links and all the things into the show notes as well. I'm loving just as we're finishing this episode. So I've been muting myself so much during this episode because it's like full school rush yes. in the morning. It's 8.30 <laughs> just as we're finishing this episode. And I can just hear the kids getting in the car with their nanny and ways kissing them goodbye. Like, okay, we did it. We did the interview. <laughs> you did it. They living no really. children came to visit in the end. Thank you so much, my love. That was, that was incredible. And I'm just so grateful to get to see you on this path because I know the mental women you're already helping and how many more you're going to help. And it's just such incredibly powerful work. So thank you for being there, doing it and thank supporting us all. For having me. Really, really appreciate it. I loved having you join me for this week's episode. Please do connect with me on Instagram at Lorraine Murphy Mentor and visit my website lorrainemurphy.com.au for tons of free resources and my reading list of all my favorite books. It would mean the absolute world if you could subscribe and share episodes you love with those that you love. Thank you for listening. Thank you.